0: Good morning, Fellowship Fayetteville. Happy spring break to all the people still uh, getting to have spring break, all our students. Uh, We're excited that y'all are here. Let's stand together. Let's worship together this morning.
1: I've been held by Try to go return. That's why I'm saying. I'm not going back, though I'll never be the same. That's why I'm
0: news, all of our hope is in Jesus, and that's all we need. Uh, church, welcome this morning. If you're new, if you're visiting us, um, and we're excited that you're here, uh, we'd love for you to scan this QR code on the screen there, get you some more information, um, or you can visit us in the info booth that's in the foyer there, um, and so we'd love to chat with you, get to know you a little bit more, so so check that out. Uh, church, Easter is around the corner, so it's we're getting through March. It's almost April, so these are our services for this Easter. Um, so make note of those. For the first time ever, we're gonna have uh, here in Fayetteville. Anyways, we're gonna have a, a Saturday night Easter service at 5 p.m. Okay, so this service is gonna be the exact same as the Sunday morning services. It's just another option for you. Um, so at 5 p.m. on Saturday night, and then at 8 o'clock, 9:30, and 11 on Easter Sunday that morning. And so um, if you're a planner, check out the times and, and start making your plans. Um, we're really excited for that service. Uh, let me pray for us, church, and we're gonna continue to worship this morning. Father, as we get the privilege to gather and, and to sing these songs, and um, God, as we, as we continue in the morning, we're gonna learn more about your call to confession. Um, what that means for us, how it how it actually gives us life to lean in to this confession, this repentance that you've called us to. We see that so clearly in the scripture we're gonna study later this morning. Father, would you begin to mold and shape our hearts to be more like you? God, as we learn... That, that is where we find true joy. It's, it's to be shaped like you, to know your character more, and to let it transform us, God, to sanctify us, to be more like your Son, the perfect example you've given us. God, we love you, and the love that we see in you encourages us to respond and worship. It's in your Son's name, amen. Church, let's stand and let's continue to worship this morning.
2: Will your good if I live
0: Through six, it says in this church as I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commands. We have sinned and done wrong, we have been wicked and have rebelled, we have turned away from your commands and laws, we have not listened to your servants. Prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Church, this is the word of the Lord. May be seated.
3: Thank you, Ryan and team. Good morning. My church family, Uh, my name's Clark. If I haven't met you, and it is a privilege to serve as one of the pastors here at Fellowship. Fayetteville, Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John. uh, I'm sorry, to Daniel, uh, chapter nine. John's a good place to turn to as well. (laughs) Um, We're excited that you've chosen to worship with us this morning. I wanted to make you aware of something really cool here the week the weekend after Easter, that Friday and Saturday at our North Campus in Rogers. um, We're inviting all of our folks from Bentonville, from Rogers. Springville, Spring, Springdale from Mosaic, from Fayetteville, uh, celebrate recovery to join us in this story of scripture event. And so um, Dr. Mark Yarborough is gonna be joining us. He's the president of Dallas Theological Seminary. And there are 176 spots available um, for this experience. And so if you've ever uh, struggled to get your head, heart, and hands around um, Genesis to Revelation, he's gonna walk us through that in a couple of days, identify big themes to help you understand the grand story of Scripture. And so if you're interested in that, there's more information online, or you can scan this uh, QR code as well. Well, I don't know about the content, um, the words, or the narrative of your prayer life, um, but in the early days of following Jesus, I limped along in my prayer life, and I was struggled knowing what to say or... How to pray? Uh, What do I say uh, when when I talk to God? Uh, What are the words I'm supposed to say? It seemed clear to me, and for whatever reason, it it made sense to me that God would communicate to us as followers of Jesus through His Word that He speaks to us in that way. But what do I say in the conversation? And on top of that, I'm not a great journaler. I know some of you journal, and that's how you write out your prayers, Um, but Fortunately, some spiritual mentors in my life came alongside of me, and they coached me up, and they walked me through this great, you might call it a spiritual life hack, um, if you will, praying scripture, praying scripture. The logic goes like this, that God has made himself known in his word, um, in his son, and in creation primarily. And if we can understand his word, we can understand his will. And if you want to pray the will of God, then you pray the word of God. It makes sense to me. Now, doing that and walking in obedience to it, that's where it becomes difficult. Um, For instance, as I learned to practice this, I've tried to do this even in my current walk with Jesus. Um, This is a Proverbs guide that I use to read the book of Proverbs, and inside the back flap... Is a, uh, is a copy of, I know you can't see it, but just go with me here, of the Lord's Prayer. And so when I begin my prayer time in the mornings, I, I just pray the Lord's Prayer. And I may kneel and do that. I may sit in my chair. I may walk and pray the Lord's Prayer. On the front flap is um, a list of the vows that I made to Pam um, some 28 and a half years ago. And those vows were taken from Ephesians chapter five and 1 Peter three. And I took those phrases and I made them our vows. She has a set of those, too, and so I'll just pray through those vows, and then I have an insert scripture uh, prayers for Nate, Jacob, and Bo, my three sons, and I identified three passages of scripture um, that speak to the season of life they're in. And I was wondering, what do I pray for my sons, Lord? And so I've identified these passages, and I just take the actual words from the scriptures, I'll insert their names, and I'll just ask God to do those things to help them become these types of people. Well, Daniel has a contribution to our prayer life this morning. He speaks into that space. In fact, God's not only given us His word to pray, but He's actually given us prayers that we can pray from the Scriptures. You can see a few of those up on the screen. I mentioned the Lord's Prayer, uh, Moses's wilderness prayers, a great prayer of our faith, David's. Prayer of confession in Psalm 51 is a great prayer. You can pray as you confess sin. Jesus' prayer is another version. I like to call it the Lord's Prayer. He is the Lord. In John chapter 17, he walks us through what's on his heart as he makes his way to the cross. And then we studied one of Paul's prayers in Ephesians chapter 3. And so God's given us these prayers. This is Daniel's contribution to our prayer life this morning, to the great prayer's Of our faith. And so, or I'd like to think about it, it's a prayer repentance. But for us, as we're trying to walk in the way of faithful presence, as we understood a few weeks ago, that prayer is one of the weapons of the way, you might think about it like this. Now go there with me. A prayer of the way for those who have lost their way. A prayer of the way for those who have lost their way. And so Daniel's gonna walk us through that. And so we're in our last two weeks, if you've been with us um, this winter and spring, we're in our last two weeks of Daniel, and we're gonna be in chapter nine both of those weeks. Now, some of you are thinking, didn't we finish last week with 10 through 12? Yes, we finished that part of Daniel, but what we wanted to do thematically is to engage this season of Lent, to engage Good Friday and Palm Sunday in a spirit of confession and repentance, and we wanted to finish at the end of chapter 9 that will take us to this person we call the Messiah as he makes his way into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And so thematically, we wanted to, to bring Daniel to a close as we look to that um, and we look to Palm Sunday and Easter. Michael will be with us to finish our study in Daniel next week. But for our purposes this morning, let's pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 9. 9, in the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, Amid by the sin, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom. If you've heard this before, if it sounds familiar, it should. This is also the same type of language that's used in Daniel chapter 6. And so the time frame of what's happening, Daniel 6, Daniel 9, him praying under his third ruler as he serves the kings of of those that are over them in exile. In the first year of his reign, Darius, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures. He's reading from the scriptures, specifically from Jeremiah the prophet. Most likely, Jeremiah chapter 29. If you're taking notes, it'd be a great cross-reference. That the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years, and they find themselves in this season of exile. Daniel, being taken away into captivity, he's likely well into his 80s now. They're nearing the end of this 70-year window. Verse 3 says that Daniel turns to the Lord God. He pleads with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, and in sackcloth and ashes. And then it says, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. And he begins this confession, not only for him, but on behalf of his people and his nation. And so, We'll just note a couple of things as we get started here this morning. One is just note Daniel's ongoing, and we've known this about him, his posture of humility. It's now taken on this sense of mourning and brokenness. Um, he walks in, as he postures his heart, he's now giving up something that is seen as a way of comfort. He's giving up food. He's now fasting. He's wearing this sackcloth that no doubt is un- uncomfortable and, and Ash was a sign of mourning for them. And so he's engaging that as his posture of prayer. There's a sense of brokenness that he's taken on to come to God here. Would also note here, notice this. This is really cool. And I had this moment where I sat back in my chair as I was studying this passage. I'm going, wow, Lord, you are amazing. Verse 3, so I turned to the Lord God. That word Lord, it's the word we use. It's called Adonai. It's the word we use for Lord or Master or Sovereign, Ruler. He's over all and above all. You go to verse 4. I prayed to the Lord, all caps. When you see the Lord, all caps in your scriptures, he's speaking about Yahweh. It's it's his name, the name of God. That implies his faithful covenant-keeping God, the one who keeps his promises, his loving kindness to Israel he also calls him my God. Later, he'll use the phrase our God. There's a sense that Daniel has this relationship that he sees as personal with Yahweh. He also, on behalf of his people, he relates to, he connects, he represents his people. So he sees himself as part of a greater community of faith. So we have Lord overall and above all, we have Lord personal covenant keeping Yahweh, and we have Lord, who's our God, who we serve and we come and pray to. And then we're gonna move through this prayer of repentance or this prayer of confession and just identify four simple things that are involved in Daniel's prayer of confession, his prayer of repentance. Praise of God, confession of sin, a recognition of the consequences of that sin, and then a request for forgiveness. And I'll be fair I don't have a cute acronym for you this morning. Are you okay with that? Okay, this is just the flow of where Daniel takes us this morning. We're primarily gonna be in verses four to seven, which by the way, four to seven serve as a basic template for eight to 16, okay? There's a lot more there. I would encourage you to read it and even pray it this week. But four to seven will do enough work for us to see some of the big ideas in his prayer of repentance. We'll pick it up in the last half of four here. Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong. We've been wicked and rebelled. We've turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes and our ancestors and to all the people of the land. Lord, verse 7 You are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. We see four distinct attributes of God here right out of the gate. He's great, he's awesome, he loves through covenant with his people, and he's righteous. And you could see on the screen, if you walk through the rest of chapter 19, these are some of the other characteristics that as Daniel's praying, he reminds himself of who he is in light of who God is. Enduring, forgiving, great, mighty, full of wrath <clears throat> and anger, merciful. He's holy, righteous, loving, and as we said, awesome. And so the posture of Daniel's humility is Rooted in who God is, this great and awesome God in light of who he is. We also see him use this idea throughout the scriptures um, here in this section. He uses the word we, our, and us repetitively. Um, He uses that um, likely to remind himself, and in his humility, he just owns his own personal sin in this. We see Daniel as someone who is faithful, um, and who's been obedient, okay? But in light of who he sees himself, in light of who God is, he sees himself as full of sin as well. He also sees himself somewhat mediatorial, meaning on behalf of the people. And so he sees himself as a leader, if you will, or this, this, this mouthpiece to God on behalf of his people. And so there's a corporate, this communal feel. Be like, If if us as as a pastoral team would would come to God and on behalf of Fellowship Faithville, God, we've we've wronged you. Now, maybe Michael hasn't done this sin necessarily, but as a whole, this sin is reflective of our body, okay? And so he's making this, this confession. And in humility, he connects with those who are in his faith community and he sees himself in light of who God sees him. And then he confesses. If you work through this prayer, You see some of the words that he uses for the word sin. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been, and this is in verse five, we have been wicked and rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets. And then at the end of verse seven, there's a phrase that he uses. He says, because of our unfaithfulness to you. The phrasing of that word faithfulness is, most likely connected to one of the great sins of the nation of Israel all through the New Testament. In fact, they prostituted, if you will, themselves to other gods and were unfaithful to God by taking the worship practices of pagan gods and bringing them into God's temple and making a mockery of the one true God. It's one of the sins, one of the primary sins they were guilty of. Another primary sin they were guilty of is they were focused on their own pagan worship was a neglect of the poor, neglect of the widow, a neglect um, of the orphan, and not showing justice to them. And you can see on the screen here, these are specific sins from this chapter that he lists in words he uses to describe those. And so if you've ever wondered, um, I don't I have words Um, to to name the sins. We're going to do that here in a minute, but these are some of the, the categories, if you will, iniquities, turning away, being unfaithful, sins of commission, where a person makes a choice to sin. There's also sins of omission that we're all guilty of, including myself, where we've not listened, we've not obeyed, we've not kept laws, we've not turned to God, we've not given attention to his word, and all these phrases carry with it the heart behind what we call the fall. When man went his own way, thumbed his or her nose at God and said, I've got it. We're gonna choose our own way and we're gonna make our own way. We're gonna make our own path and we're gonna walk away from the instruction that you have for us that's for our good and for your Glory, God! It's a consequence of the fall, and so then we, we see the consequences here in this prayer in verse seven. One of those consequences is this covering of shame. Another consequence here, there at the end of verse seven, they've been scattered. This speaks to their exile nature. They find themselves in. They were taken from their homeland and scattered across Babylon. You see some other words used that talk about the consequences of their sin. Their city has been desolated. Their judgment has been poured out on them. Great disaster has come upon them. They become an object of scorn. In fact, the very nations, they were supposed to be a light to, In their darkness now, those nations are mocking them and their God. They're an object of scorn. This is not the way it was supposed to be. And yet, as I read this, I had a couple of questions, and maybe you can ask this in your small group this week, your meeting. What does it look like for God to bring disaster? Does he do that on a people? It's the phrasing and the words that are used here, and in, I asked the question, why such intense punishment and in discipline? And if you're taking notes, it's just right in the margins here, Deuteronomy 28 to 30. It's a succinct overview of the blessings and the curses for the nation of Israel for obedience and disobedience, okay? They were, a, they were a theocracy at this time, and this is God's law given to them. Likely, some of the generations did not know what was in Deuteronomy 28 to 30 because the previous generation did not pass that on to them in their wickedness, okay? Also note 2 Kings 21. It's a great summary chapter of one of the more unfaithful kings during that time period, okay? And they're reaping the, the unnecessary fruit of a king that reigned and ruled in a way that mocked God. His name was Manasseh. He's one of the more evil kings. And as he reigned and ruled, he actually took pagan practices and brought him into the temple of God. And also, it got so dark for him, he actually burned his own son in the fire, okay? So God takes sin serious, especially when it comes to idol worship. So he recognizes those consequences and he's reaping the fruits of the sins of those that had gone before him and the sins of his current generation. And then we see here in 17 to 19, we're gonna jump to the request. And we're going to pick it up in verse 16. I think 17 to 19 is what's on the screen here. But he says this, Lord, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem. Now our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant for your sake. And he appeals to the name of God in his confession. Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear Oh God, and hear, open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. It's the heart of this confession. Now hear these words. This is another, this is one of those step back moments. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous. And then AS, it says, because of any merit of our own, but because of your great mercy. And some of your versions will say the word compassion. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Act, forgive. Consider these words when you're requesting forgiveness, walking in repentance and confession. These are the words that Daniel uses here. God, would you act? God, would you have mercy on your people? Well, next week, along with last week, you see some of the summary or the outcome of this prayer of repentance. You're going to see what God does in and through this prayer on behalf of Judah and Israel. But as I read this, I've thought, you know, again, Israel and Judah... Initially, they were a theocracy where God was their God. They went through a season where they had judges that reigned and ruled on and for them. They moved into what we might call a monarchy where they now had kings that were to reign and rule and implement the law of God as a way to live. We're not a theocracy. We're not a monarchy. We live in what we call a democracy. And so I'm sitting here going, okay, now in the New Testament church, how do we take this prayer and to apply it, and to own it, and to use it for our own spiritual formation in confession and repentance. And so we can learn from Daniel's posture for sure. You might consider this visual as a way to see it. It's a real just simple way. We all individually are guilty of specific personal and individual sins. Okay? We're also, because the, in the New Testament, um, the church is a Family of God or a household of faith. We're also the body of Christ. We're members of one great body. We're also part of this. And so um, there could be sins of fellowship, Fayetteville, that we're known for. Um, some that are subtle, some that are blatant. But as a body, we are all impacted by those sins. And then there are sins, and you guys know this, doesn't take much as you watch the news. There are sins of our nation, if you will that you may not be guilty of, but as a citizen of our nation, you're aware of those. And you know that we're a nation that is in need of confession and repentance. And so just a simple way to see what the different spheres of confession and repentance. Another way to see this, to take it more personal, is to consider these three ways to guide you through your own sin inventory. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take some time this morning, and I know it's not Palm Sunday, I know it's not Good Friday, Uh, I understand it's spring break week in a college town, but we want to let Daniel, in some of his language, speak to sins that you and sins that we need to confess. And so this idea of head, this idea of heart, this idea of hands, Um, sins of the your thought life, sins of your motives. In fact, Mark chapter seven says that that's where sin comes from, out of the heart and then sins of the hands. And that's where we speak to our lifestyle or our behavior. And so what I'd like you to do is that as you sit there, um, feel free to sit in silence. We're gonna have some time of reflection. Um, Feel free to kneel at your seat. And I know we don't do this a lot here at Fellowship Fayetteville, But if you see the need um, to come to the altar and kneel as a posture of humility before God, you have the freedom to do that, okay? I know that we don't do that a lot. Um, But this is a safe place, and we wanna give you the freedom to do that as well. And so go ahead and close your eyes, and I'm gonna walk us through some questions to guide us through what specific sins that the New Testament speaks to so that we can be right before God in fellowship with him and with one another. Consider the great commandment. This past week, have we not loved God with all of our heart, soul, and mind? Have we fully loved our neighbor as ourself? This past week, in any way, have you walked in anger? Are you experiencing bitterness towards someone? Maybe someone in this room? Have you coveted after someone else's possessions? Are you walking in envy or jealousy towards someone? Have you experienced greed in your heart? Have you acted out on that greed at the expense of someone else's needs to satisfy your own? In any way this week, have you been self-righteous? Have you postured yourself as better than someone else based on what they do or don't do? And have you postured yourself before God based on what you've done for him, not on what he's done for you in Christ? Have you been self-righteous in any way? Have any of us in the room been unforgiving or ungrateful this week? Consider the sins of the mouth. Have you boasted? You've made yourself look like in the light something that you're not. You boasted of accomplishments that only God could do in and through you. Have you lied? Have you slandered? You said some things about someone else that aren't true, or said some things and cast them in a light that's not true. You quarreled. Have you complained? Consider sins of the hands, or our lifestyle. In any way, have you walked in hypocrisy where you've said one thing and you've done the other? In any way, you walked under the influence of anything other than the Spirit of God. Be it drunkenness under the influence of any other intoxicant, something else has owned you. sexual immorality. The scriptures tell us that God's plan for rightness in the area of sex is found in the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman in a monogamous way. Have you violated that sexual ethic in any way this week? Through heterosexual adultery, the practice of homosexuality, through lust, the use of pornography, in what ways have you been sexually immoral? Or well, maybe you consider some of these sins, sins of idolatry, deeper sins of the heart. In the New Testament, we're told that our body is the temple in Second Corinthians chapter 6. In what ways have you allowed other rulers, if you will, to sit on the throne of your heart? Is it freedom? Is it liberty? Is it tolerance? Is it a philosophical idea? Is it an economic or a political idea that you see as the end or the means to righteousness? Maybe someone in your family, be it your spouse or your children, have become a relational God. God meant and gave them to you as a gift, but you've propped them up on the throne of your heart and you find your hope. You live your life through them and in them. Or maybe it's simply just basic motivational idols. The need for power, approval, control, or no doubt many of us struggle with this idol of comfort. Some of you manifest that that self, those things through a hobby and pleasure and what God meant for his gift as a good gift to you has now become something that you need it so much you cannot enjoy it. In what ways has idolatry seeped into your heart? Look up on the screen. God, turn away your wrath and anger. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Hear the good news. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This is written to believers. If you're a follower of Jesus in here this morning, hear this. If We claim we have not sinned. We make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, have we sinned? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. That word atoning sacrifice is the word propitiation. It's a big word. You won't use it this week. It's found in Romans 3. The idea is found in Hebrews as well. And here we have it in 1 John 2. It's this blood covering that appeases God, and pleases him, and turns his wrath and anger from us, and if you're a child of God in here, you've confessed these sins, he's turned his wrath away from you. You're his child. If that's not true of you this morning, in this idea of confession, and this is the first time you've ever considered the weight of your sin, or the specifics of your sin, and Christ has never been one you've embraced, I would beg of you to cast yourself upon this mercy of God, this faithful covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God, and trust in him through his son, Jesus Christ, his death for you on the cross, his resurrection on your behalf to give you life. And I would also encourage you, if God has moved in your heart in a way that Warrants some type of confession to one another. Know from our brother James in James chapter 5, verse 16, that there's a there's a piece of healing that comes when we confess our sins one to another. Share that with someone this morning or this week. Do you stand with me and join us in an expression of corporate confession?
0: Heavenly Father, have mercy on us. We have not loved you as you deserve. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We have not obeyed you as we should. Lord, forgive us our sin. We are in need of a savior. Just as Clark was saying, for those of us that believe Jesus is in fact our savior, God sees us with the righteousness that the son has because of the price he paid for us then there's good news for us church so church believe the good news Jesus died for us Jesus rose for us Jesus intercedes for us in him we are a new creation in him we have forgiveness of sin in him we have a savior to God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Church, let's respond and worship this morning. Yesterday, uh, myself, Brian Meadows, who's playing keys, and a, f- and a few other individuals went to um, a nursing home just right across the way over here to sing some hymns and some songs with the people there. And we sang the song um, "Just As I Am," and I told the story behind how that hymn was written before we sang it, and um, and the story is just. It's really simple, I won't tell the whole thing this morning, but it's the author of the song was very sick and, and she was depressed and she had a pastor come to her and ask, do you have peace with God? And she said, I got a lot of stuff in my life going on. Uh, I don't have peace right now, but let me get some stuff right. And then once i once I fix these things, then I'll, I'll pray and, and I'll have peace with God. And the pastor's response was a good pastoral response. And he said this, he said, you can come just as you are. You don't need to fix anything. Christ has done that for you. And she gave her life to Christ. And she wrote that song just as I am a few years later when those words were still on her mind. So church, as we've been confessing sin, as we're, as we're hearing this, we just sang this song, my word This not what I own. We have nothing to boast about, but it's in Christ. It's in him alone. I was telling this story yesterday and I saw a gentleman just begin to weep because he, he felt that. He felt the love of Jesus that as he is in his older age, that Christ accepts him just like that. So that's the good, no- the good news that we get to rejoice in this morning and every single morning that we get to wake up loves you, that he gave his life for you just as you are. Let that move you. Let that move you to respond in worship. Church, let's sing this song together as we exit this morning.
1: Press on, press on, we're safe.
0: in there as well have a great week of worship everyone we'll see you next week